another month and another episode of Unplugged. I'm Jacob Puckett, the host of the Unplugged podcast, a podcast by Blue Ridge Energy, and we are talking about a program that fits this time of year very well. This discussion will give you everything you want to know and more about Beat the Peak, peak hours, peak demand, and how hot temperatures really play a role in your at-home energy usage and how you can help out. We're going to dive into all these topics and more coming up with Manager of Energy Solutions, John Jacob. All right, John, you're starting to uh, earn your frequent flyer miles here on the podcast. So how are we doing today? I'm doing pretty good, Jacob. How are you doing today? Doing good. And I thought, what a better time, I guess. We're recording this here in late May, um, and we're in the middle of kind of a mini heat wave, kind of the pre-summer heat wave, I guess we could call it late spring. It's been up in the mid-90s the last couple of days, and that's made me think a lot about Beat the Peak. So I, I guess we just start with... You know, if you're listening to this podcast and you've heard us talk about Beat the Peak, but maybe you don't know what it is, how do we just boil that down into a nutshell? Like, how do we summarize what Beat the Peak is? Yeah. Why is your utility telling you to use less electricity on a hot summer afternoon? What kind of sense does that make? (laughs) I think it maybe starts with an idea of what demand and what peak demand is. And I think the best way to understand that is when everybody gets home from work on these mid 90 summer afternoons, and the first thing they want to do is crank up the AC, then they're probably going to be making dinner. Um, They're going to be turning on the TV. They might have a load of laundry to do. There's some dishes that have been sitting there. There's all these things that they're going to be doing that are going to use a ton of electricity. And everybody in the neighborhood, everybody in town, everybody in the county is doing all these things at the same time. And that is creating peak demand. It's when everybody's using electricity at the same time. So that's why we started Beat the Peak. It's a voluntary program. It costs nobody anything. There's no financial incentive. But you're a member of Blue Ridge. And as a member of Blue Ridge, your voluntary actions and your willingness to participate in Beat the Peak help us hold down power costs and help keep rates stable and low for everybody who's a member of Blue Ridge. So by being willing to keep your thermostat at 78 instead of 74, by using a ceiling fan instead of cranking up the AC, by using your microwave instead of an oven. So is there is there a specific set of hours that you're looking at on a peak day that say, hey, those are going to be the peak hours? Or is it really just you know as simple as when people come home? Or how do you define what those peak hours are for Blue Ridge? Yeah, that's how the sausage is made. There's kind of three elements here. And I'm going to start by kind of explaining you know, it's not every summer afternoon. It's the hot summer afternoons, typically when we're in the mid 90s or above and it's humid that require people's heat pumps to work as hard as possible to keep the air cool inside the house. John, one thing I want to touch base on that I always found interesting, kind of from an outsider's point of view, as someone who's not directly involved in these decisions or directly involved in this process. There's a lot that goes into identifying those peak days. There's some prediction element that goes into it a couple days in advance. And like you said, there's a lot of watching and kind of just seeing morning of um, of those hottest days to figure it out or even the coldest days. But right now, it's talking about the hottest days. Is it difficult to predict those peak days? I mean, what are the challenges? What do you guys face when you're having to figure that out on those hottest days? Like what goes into the process? It is difficult, especially early in the summer, because you don't know if you're gonna have three 90 degree days in a row and you don't know how many 90 degree days you're gonna have all summer long. We've had summers where 
you start off gangbusters and you'll have like a week where it's, you know, 95 and above, you know, five days in a row. And you're wearing people out, sending these messages saying, hey, beat the peak week. It's going to be a real hot one. Um, but then you'll have summers where it's just kind of mild through June and even into July. And then all of a sudden you'll have two or three weeks in a row uh, of, you know, 95 plus degree weather. So it's tough to know. um you know, when to deploy those messages, when to deploy our beat the peak um, uh, actions. Um, but in terms of predicting exactly when it's going to occur down to the hour, it's both an art and a science. So we're looking at these live load signals. We're looking at the load forecast. But the uh, forecast is, is kind of like with the weather. It's, it's not written in stone. So sometimes what we actually do is we basically wait until the live load signal crosses a threshold that we know to be a peak. And then at that moment, we'll deploy what we have in the toolbox against it. So um, I'm not saying it's uh, it's impossible, but there is definitely a lot to it. You know, some days we'll have weather rush in and we'll have a nice uh, afternoon rainstorm, thunderstorm, and that'll drop the temperature 10 degrees and the you know humidity significantly. And that's even better than anything we can throw at it from our toolbox. So um, yeah, there's a lot. And I mean, I come over to your office sometimes when we play amateur weatherman and are trying to figure yeah, out. Yeah, we do. He's saying that the podcasting guy is a, a wannabe weatherman on the side. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's what he's saying. Uh, that's definitely a, a little side interest I've always had. So we've always had fun with that part of it. So if I'm a member and I'm listening to this and, all right, John, you, you've convinced me I'm going to join Beat the Peak. I'm going to head to the website. By the way, that's blueridgeenergy.com forward slash BTP stands for beat the peak. Blueridgeenergy.com forward slash BTP. You can sign up for whatever alerts you want and just sign up for the program on there. As an aside, I want to go ahead and get that in before we got too far into the podcast. So you convinced me I'm going to join. I'm going to sign up. We kind of touched on this, but what can I do? What are, what are some of the first things I can do when you call it peak day? What do you want me to do when I get home? I think there's three elements here. There's what's always on in your home. There's the kind of personal behaviors you can change, um, like you said, when you get home. And there's some kind of maintenance things. So let's kind of take it in that order. There's things that are always on in your home, like your hot water heater. And most people's hot water heater is set to 120 degrees and above. If during the summer you will just crank that down to 115 degrees or less, you're not going to be inconvenienced. You're still going to have hot water, but it's going to significantly reduce basically your load and your kilowatt hour consumption. It's going to save you money. And that, that will be a savings you'll see on your bill. So that's that's probably a, um, a good first step. Um, the thing that probably uses the most energy in the summer is going to be your HVAC. So if you're going to be willing to raise your thermostat to, let's say, 78 degrees instead of keeping it at 74, again, that's going to significantly reduce your power consumption. And in afternoons, it's going to reduce our electric demand. Um, there's a lot of behavioral stuff besides the AC. If you'll be willing to wash your clothes and wash your dishes in the late evening, let's say after 7 p.m. or in the early morning, um, your house isn't going to be as hot at those times. And you're not going to have to run your AC to keep you know the house cool because of the dryer and the dishwasher operating. And likewise, uh, with cooking, you know, instead of cooking in your oven inside your house on a hot summer afternoon, go outside and grill. Use your propane grill or use the microwave. Those are another uh, great way to help us reduce peak demand. And then in terms of maintenance, uh, simple things like just, you know, set a, a once every three months reminder on your Google calendar to change your air filter. It gets clogged. It makes your system work harder. It costs you more money. It increases peak demand. Some kind of longer term things. Do you really need 
a second refrigerator or a second freezer, those things are always on. If you'll consider, you know, just going to to one or even upgrading to an Energy Star appliance, that's definitely going to uh, to help you use less energy and help us reduce demand. But uh, we offer rebates for those things. We offer rebates for a lot of energy saving ideas in your house, whether that's the refrigerator and the freezer, upgrading your heat pump to a more efficient version, 16 sear and above, or actually just tightening your home's envelope by adding insulation, duct sealing, air sealing. Uh, We have great rebates online. Go check it out on um, uh, blueridgeenergy.com. Put rebates in the search bar and you'll find all the different rebates we offer. Um, We're trying to make it worth your while to be more energy efficient. And uh, any of those actions is going to reduce your bill. You know, something that's kind of synonymous, I think, with Beat the Peak uh, or really saving energy in general I guess I notice this more from uh, the communication side of thing. You know, we're we're putting a graph together, or, uh, doing a write up in Carolina Country or something like that. Thermostats. You know, you see a lot of information about thermostats. Do you think there's a benefit, uh, especially with Beat the Peak? If I was really invested in Beat the Peak and I was invested in energy efficiency and savings in general during the summer, or even during the winter when it's really cold. Is there a benefit in going out and getting a, um, a thermostat that's a smart thermostat as opposed to just your standard thermostat? I do think there is. Um, if you want to make the investment in getting a smart thermostat that'll learn your behavior and learn what you feel is comfortable in your home, that thermostat's going to basically allow you to just kind of set it and forget it. I mean, you're going to be able to enjoy the efficiency that comes with having your thermostat set to the correct temperature. Uh, without having to think about it. And if you do want to be invested in Beat the Peak, it also allows you to be at work and get that message about Beat the Peak and to take an action at home. Say, I'm not even there. I'll go ahead and crank it up to 80 degrees. It's not going to hurt me. I'm not even at home right now. And uh, so having that ability to access your thermostat through a smartphone um, really allows you to take your beat the peak effectiveness to the next level. Now, you don't necessarily need a smart thermostat, even a programmable thermostat. It would be a huge help. And you just tell it, hey, I'm at work during these hours um, and keep it cool during these hours. There's really not a huge benefit to you to keeping your house at 74 degrees when nobody's there to enjoy the cool air. Um, And I know a lot of people have been like, I should just leave it alone the whole time. I think that's kind of an antiquated school of thought. I mean, the smart thermostat is going to understand when you're there or not there based on your smartphone, and it's going to set the temperature accordingly. Whereas you can do the same thing with a programmable and it's always on 72 degrees. It's always keeping your house cold, whether or not there's somebody there to enjoy it. So, yeah, we would absolutely uh, encourage our members to consider a smart or programmable thermostat um, just because it'll save them money is the bottom line. And something I was going to talk about, but I think we've actually kind of covered this throughout the podcast. Um, Ways to save money this summer, ways to uh, energy efficiency, ways to save around the house. I think people are really conscious right now of costs and plus uh, material costs everywhere are skyrocketing. So people are looking for a lot of free tips. But like you said, um, air filters, one thing I wanted to touch base on, you said in a previous podcast, cheap, thin air filter. That's the way to go, right? 100%. Yeah. A lot of people think that getting these high micron filters that, you know, filter out everything uh, down to like a dust mite, you know, is the way to go. And I mean, if you have allergies in the home, it's understandable. But um 
the thin, cheap air filters, the ones you can get at Walmart that cost a dollar, are absolutely the best thing for your HVAC system because they allow the most air to pass through and it reduces how hard the fan in your system and your air handler has to work to keep your house cool. So if you'll be willing to uh, go with the cheaper air filters, it'll extend the life of your HVAC system and it'll definitely reduce um, how hard your system's working, which reduces your bill. So big benefit to you and it's a cost savings. Some other really low lift ways to save money. Uh, I was thinking a lot of people are washing their clothes in hot water um, all year round. And if you've got some really dirty clothes, understandably the hot water cycle is a great thing. But if you can wash your clothes in cold water and hang them to dry during the summer, um, that's gonna save you quite a bit of money. Um, If you do have to use the dryer, it's definitely better to run your loads consecutively. Once the dryer is heated up and is already hot, it's gonna dry a lot more effectively than starting from cold. So if you'll just kinda do all your laundry in a big block well after the sun's gone down, um, that's gonna be a huge efficiency savings uh, for you as well. John, what are some other cheap ways that I can make a difference around my house? I know weather stripping and things like that are are pretty cheap. Got any other ideas of things I might could shift? I got, I got two more real cheap and easy ideas. Uh, probably the brightest idea you could uh, get away with this summer is replacing any bulbs in your house that are incandescent or compact fluorescent with LED. They've come way down in cost probably about a dollar a bulb these days. And uh, if you can replace every light bulb in your house with LED, significantly reduces your power consumption, reduces your bill, reduces peak demand. It's just a win for everybody. And then one thing a lot of people probably haven't thought about since the winter is their fireplace. Uh, If they have one, they may have left the damper open. That's gonna let a lot of hot air into the house. So if you haven't checked your damper, uh, now would be a great time to do so before it gets really hot in the summer and you're letting all that hot air in your house and you're letting all your cool conditioned air outside of the house. Anything you can do to keep your house tight and to keep that air you've paid to make cold inside the house and keep that hot air outside your house, it's going to be a big win for you. And that wraps up another episode of Unplug. Thank you for tuning in and learning about everything Beat the Peak. If you're interested in the program or maybe you want to learn more or maybe even sign up for the program, you can head to blueridgeenergy.com forward slash BTP. Again, that's blueridgeenergy.com forward slash BTP. Thank you for listening.